Being from the South, I know a thing or two about how bugs can ruin a great outdoor experience. It's crazy how something so small can affect some of the potentially greatest experiences of your life. And that's why today's show is brought to you in part by Sawyer. You might know them as the water filter company. I actually have a couple Sawyer filters, but they make a lot of other great products too, including their insect repellent. And uh, j just some points about what it is. It's great for the whole family. It's actually safe to use on infants and those who are pregnant because they don't use DEET, the active ingredient. They use something better called picaridin. It actually lasts longer. It lasts up to 12 hours. Pretty incredible. And it doesn't damage any of your gear. So it's insect repellent specifically made for families who are also outdoorsy because it won't ruin any of that high dollar gear that you've bought to be out there. And it does a fantastic job of protecting you and your family from those vector-borne illnesses that are carried by insects. I know for me, I'm always carrying some insect repellent because I've had mosquitoes specifically ruin some pretty incredible backpacking experiences. Don't let it happen to you. Use Sawyer's 20% Picaridin insect repellents. Find out more about that at sawyer.com. Play safe, travel safely, Sawyer. They keep you outdoors. Like how miserable it is. And I think that's when you ask, like, how did, how I've learned to push through this, like where I grew up and where I train, it just kind of embodies that. You can say miserable, but to a point when you get used to that, that's the norm. And so when you're confronted with these hard things, you know, it's just, it ends up being the norm. It's, you, you learn a passion to kind of enjoy that pain and suffering. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey, Adventure Sports Podcast listeners, thank you for joining. Uh, today's episode is another crossover from my other show, Without Compromise. Uh, it's just another one of the episodes that I felt would make a great, um, great episode for here uh, so that we don't have to do a revisited episode today. And today's episode is with Ryan Kempson. He's an endurance athlete, an obstacle course racing athlete. I'm a coach. Uh, yeah, very cool guy. Um, he's one of Athletic Brewing's uh, uh, talents, one of our one of our athletes. So um, we will be talking about that a little bit. If you don't know, I work at Athletic Brewing uh, as my day job, and which I'm very thankful for. I've I've been there about a year now, and they actually found me through this podcast. So uh, you know, I talk about them so much one because I work there too, because I'm so incredibly thankful for the opportunity. Um, to work there and continue continue doing this show. When they brought me on, one of the first things they said was, hey, just so you know, we want you to keep doing the Adventure Sports Podcast because that's how we originally found you. And that's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks listening out there that get a lot from this show. So um, that's where it all comes from, that crossover. So anyway, Ryan's one of those athletes for Athletic. And uh, we're going to be talking to him today about, you know, how he does what he does, how he's transitioned. A lot of us have transitioned recently, maybe from ball sports or team sports or events even, uh, to totally outdoor adventures. One, because we have to, and two, because, um, you know, with social distancing and all that is what I mean. 
And two, because maybe there are things that we wanted to get around to out in the outdoors that we just didn't have time for, didn't have a good reason to. Well, you know, now we have a reason. We have a very good reason to to make sure we get out there and do that. And if you were already out there in the outdoors, um, you already know the benefit. So, so I hope you enjoy this interview with Ryan Kimson. Hear a little bit about his story and what he does. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend and we'll, uh, we'll see you on Monday. All right, folks, welcome to Without Compromise. Uh, great episode today. Someone who's been in the athletic community for, for quite a while, Ryan Kempson. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mason. Appreciate it. Glad to be on. Awesome, man. So, so you know, we, we were talking a little bit before, but I'd love to kind of revisit it. You know, where did where did you end up growing up? What did you end up, you know, what were you doing growing up? Were you always this athletic and adventurous or, or did, it kinda, <laughs> did you kind of have to discover it on your own? Um, I grew up in the woods in Vermont, basically. Oh, um, yeah, uh, if anybody's familiar with Vermont, I grew up in Woodstock, about uh, just a few miles from the big ski mountain, Killington. And, uh, you know, typical childhood in the woods. You know, I went out building forts, you know, mountain bike. And I grew up with my brother. And, uh, you know, basically we're outside until my, my mom is one of those uh, crazy mom uh, whistles where she puts her fingers in her mouth and you can hear it, you know, miles away. And, uh, you know, it was dinner time and she would call us in and, you know, that's, you know, I played ball sports growing up, but, you know, the foundation of my athletic abilities just came from being outside all day and doing just a multitude of different sports. Um, and that just kind of refined me into, even though I, you know, I went through ball sports through high school and college, uh, that lifestyle growing up just kind of refined who I, who I am today. That's really cool to hear, man. I'll be honest. We, I, I was expecting, you know, no, I wasn't involved in that stuff and I had to go find it myself. I just hear that a lot, I guess. So yeah, to hear from yeah. someone who, you know, grew up out in the woods on some land, had, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with that <laughs> mom whistle, man. It's like amazing how, how this I, can be. It, it's, it's unreal. <laughs> just cuts through. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a dog whistle to a dog. You know, I just say you perk up real quick and you know where it is. Oh man, you know? that's hilarious. So, so it's probably safe to say you're pretty, pretty comfortable out there in, in the woods doing some of these adventures, especially of late, some of these kind of more solo trips. Yeah. And they, um, it's funny, even though I grew up in the woods, you know, I, I was never your, your, your so-called endurance for it. I never, you know, ran for school. I never did track, never did cross country. Um, so even though this was like, you know, it's kind of how I grew up as far as having that athletic background, when I started getting into, um, you know, the Spartan races and the trail running, um, I, I wasn't, uh, it took a lot of work to, to build that, you know, endurance space, but it's still, when you get into these longer, tougher adventures and, uh, things that take some grit and, you know, a lot of the tactical running up in the Northeast, that just came very natural to me. It wasn't a it wasn't a challenge. Um, I just had to kind of learn how to do it for longer durations. Yeah. And, and I actually saw that you recently hit a milestone of 18.2 miles as your longest run <laughs> ever. Like this was a couple months ago, but you know, for someone who, who's known for endurance sports and obviously a professional, that's, that's mm -hmm. not very far. So that's kind of interesting to, you know, cause you just mentioned how, 
this wasn't your background, but uh, you're still able to do so well at a lot of these events on the shorter side. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's the, the cool thing about uh, Spartan racing is it's, uh, it, I think it's, it can be a bridge for someone who's a regular athlete into the endurance world. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the athletes may come from the other way. They might be in the endurance world and it's a, almost a bridge for them to get into more of an athletic realm. Um, but yeah, that was a bridge for me and it got me intrigued and a little bit more stoked on kind of going after these big adventures. And, um, you know, I think that's it, maybe COVID was a blessing for me because it gave me time to kind of get away from what I've been doing professionally for the past few years and explore, you know, some new adventures. Hmm. I mean, man, if, if you can look at it that way, that's a great, it, it is an opportunity for a lot of folks. And so uh, I'm glad you're seeing it that way. But uh, to kind of go back, you know, you said you had a, a background in ball sports and I know you played college basketball and, and you know, honestly for, I mean, how many, prof- how many NBA players have run all that far? So that kind of makes sense too. I, I bet LeBron hasn't run a marathon in his life. Maybe he has, <laughs> I don't know, but it, you just don't, it's kind of interesting. Some of the best athletes in the world might not have ever run that far, but for you in the ball sports is sp- specifically basketball. What, 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 when did you do that first Spartan race or that first OCR race and, and what kind of, what did it light in you? Did you, did you immediately see some sort of connection there and start pursuing it or did it Um, my brother and i got into it early on i think our first actual one is like in 2012 and it really was just uh, he was living in colorado at the time i was in the east coast in uh, massachusetts and it was a way for us to kind of get together and you know do something fun and uh, he actually took it he he got kind of caught the bug right away and started training for it 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 took me a a few years Um, i was still starting up a, a coaching business at the time um, I don't know. I just, it didn't, I didn't catch the fever right away. And it wasn't until like 2014 or 15 that I think after I did a couple, it, it wasn't because I loved the Spartan races or any of the OCR races. It was because it just was a challenge. And I think not coming from endurance sports, um, being confronted and not actually being really, really good at something, um, it was tough, you know, especially after, you know, went through my whole life of being a decent basketball and football player and playing some college basketball, you know, having success and then basically almost starting from ground zero. Um, and that challenge, uh, that really spurred the interest to me. And I think what, you know, besides, you know, I started, you know, anything you do, if you're, you're good at something, you're going to be attracted to that. So I started finding some success, but you know, when you do a Spartan race, you don't do Spartan races every day. Like you don't train a Spartan race to do a Spartan race. You, you know, go on big mountain runs or you, you cross train, you lift weights, or for me, I kite surf or bike. Um, so the training to do, it's really fun. And it just, be, it's a challenge. Um, it's, you know, you put something on the board and it, uh, I know not just the race, but the competition is at such a high level now that it becomes you know, it's just something you, you want to push yourself and, you know, build up all this fitness with, with activities you love doing and then just kind of unleash it during a competition and just find out what, what you've done and all that training. And I think that challenge aspect of it is uh, why I love, which is so different than most endurance sports because most endurance sports, whether it's cycling or, you know, a marathon runner, all you do is you cycle. All you do is run on the road. And because it's so it's such a one specific skill. And in 
the Spartan race is you have to be a well-rounded athlete. You can't just be really good at one thing. You got to be pretty darn good at everything. And that's what I think was, you know, attracted me and has kept me around for so long. Hmm. And and it makes sense with basketball. And I'll just be honest. I, that's my sport too, a sport of choice. Yeah. Uh, love the game. And there's always something to work on, whether it's handles or shooting or, or pass. I mean, there's literally dozens and dozens of compartments to always be working on in a game like yeah. that. And for this, you know, you're totally, even, even triathlons. I mean, it's literally three big buckets, you know? So yep. it's like, <laughs> even at that point it's manageable, but for this, you're right. It is a tons of cross training and I'm sure that background gave you, gave you some advantage there. Yeah. And, um, I, I guess a touch on that is, you know, basketball really was my true love. Like I absolutely, I still love it. And, uh, you know, I, I coach athletes as far as like fitness goes, but I also ran um, like an AAU, uh, like a club basketball team for, for five years. And that was my passion. That's what I loved. And really a transition into, you know, doing this endurance stuff professionally and, and, you know, having my performance kind of skyrocket was I got to a point about two years ago that I finally accepted that basketball was, you know, that was the first part of my life and I let that go. And I transitioned to this kind of more kind of love for the outdoors as basically as I grew up. Um, and that was really hard for me to do. I mean, when you love something for, you know, at that point, I'd been playing basketball for 15 years of my life and to decide, like, now you, you're not going to continue to pursue that even through coaching and to jump on board at something else. That was um, it was really tough, but I'm so glad I made that jump. Did you feel like it was something you had to do? Um, I think like I, I passed my basketball team on to the club, onto uh, another coach who took over operations and, um, it was something I had to do. I think, you know, even though I wasn't playing anymore coaching, I was still kind of, maybe I was still holding on to like that just dream of like living a life of basketball and I had to pass it off. And as soon as I passed it off, it wasn't, it wasn't a weight off my shoulders, but it just allowed me to put all my effort into a new passion and a new love and just to move on to uh, something else that gives me a lot of stoke and has become, a, you know, the really what I strive to do every day. That makes a lot of sense, man. So yeah, that, that, that sounds hard. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. So, so, and I, and I also know that, uh, just a, a handful of years ago, you know, about five years ago or so, you you were dealing with a pretty serious hip injury. Um, yeah, I know you've mentioned that a few times. I don't know if you're just tired of talking about that. No, no, it's just it, it seems very pivotal in your life. You know, people ask, you know, my journey, my process, and it was just such a, you know, just this web of things that happened you know, with the basketball. <laughs> oh, and so I got into, I started training for these races seriously with my brother around 2014 and found out I had a pre-existing uh, pretty serious label tear on my hip um, that was probably from childhood or, or college playing basketball and so I had surgery and that that alone the recovery just it's it takes a while and I just it's funny because if someone told me and I the thing is I think what kept me going is I I believed I could compete with the best in the, the circuit and the sport. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind. Um, but if someone were to tell me, hey, you know, you're going to get into the sport, you're going to have surgery, and it's going to take you four to five years to get to where you believe you could be. Um, I don't know if I would have signed up for that again. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's looking back, it's kind of the time has flown by. Um, but for whatever reason, I've been able to keep, you know, the focus going in one direction, um, even as the, the sport, you know, as the sport has grown. And uh, yeah, it's been it's, it's been kind of wild. And, you know, there's no regrets. You know, the process has been up and down and it's been hard, but um, I'm really happy where I'm at now. Um, I'm really enjoying life. And, uh, you know, the, really, I'm enjoying the, the process of, of training, not just the sport itself. And I think that's what I'm, you know, super stoked about is that every day I go out and go on these awesome adventures and, you know, the training isn't a grind. It's just it's what I love to do every day. Mm, that's a, that's a blessing, man, to enjoy the process. Yeah. Cause when you don't, mm-hmm. you just got your mindset on that end goal. That's, uh, it can be a pretty miserable long go of it before you get to, yeah, the, you, you probably know, aren't going to make I, it to the end. Yeah. I think that was probably the hardest thing I have in a hip surgery is, I guess you got hit right on. It's like just being, having my life literally compromised. Like I couldn't do, I couldn't go out and run three miles with my brother on a, or, even a longer run in the mountains. I couldn't do the things that I, I not only needed to do for training, but I wanted to do. And uh, that was just, that was very frustrating. <laughs> I mean, it's just, everything was kind of taken away. And now that I'm healthy, just literally, you know, you know, the whole um, concept with athletic brewing is, you know, living a life without compromise and just how I feel every single day. I'm just able to go out and do the things that I love, um, you know, without, without compromising anything, you know, even if that's, you know, I've chose to do this as a full-time profession, you know, not compromising, you know, having to sit in an office all day or having to do something I don't want to do. You know, I've been able to, through this process, choose something that I absolutely love to do. And every day is just a blast. Every day is a blast. That's a, that's a great place to be in life. Uh, So do you think dealing with that and dealing with these you know, just like in a Spartan race, these huge obstacles, do you think that's made you, you know, just a more relatable or better, better coach as well? Cause for folks that don't know, you're, you're, you're a trainer and a, and a coach as well. Yeah. With the coaching and the, it's being an athlete helps you relate to the athletes themselves. Um, especially I work with a lot of, um, especially in the Cape, a lot of baseball players, um, I coach, you know, runners and OCR athletes, but in person, I work with a lot of, you know, baseball players, kids are coming out there trying to play high level in college or even, you know, go to be drafted and, and the pros. And it's, you know, I've always taken, um, because I'm a trainer, we work on the fitness performance side, but I also have coached basketball and coaching. Um, I think that term is thrown around a little bit too loosely nowadays and people forget like there's a huge psychological component to it and a mentoring component. And, you know, the fact that I put my body through, you know, the rigors of training and understand, you know, what it takes, it allows me to communicate and connect with these kids who are trying to do the same thing. And, you know, we can understand one another a lot better and I can, you know, help be a mentor for them. And it's, it's not about just telling them what exercise to do or what to eat or you know, how to sleep. It's, you know, just talking to them, you know, through the process of how to approach things, um, you know, both, both physically and mentally and, you know, how to take on the, you know, the situations that they're going to confront, um, you know, whether it's in, in training or, um, you know, sometimes, you know, how to live their life, you know, what to do, what not to do. And, uh, it's, uh, that process is very rewarding in order to to be able to share that with, you know, a young kid, because the reason why I got into coaching is when I was a kid in Vermont, um, I had some, some good coaches. I had a 
some great coaches uh, for basketball growing up, a, a phenomenal football coach. But, um, you know, they're kind of your prototypical coaches from 10 or 15 years ago is that they're amazing and great disciplinarians, but they they may not, I might not have had the ability to, uh, you know, connect with them. Um, and really have a, have maybe a closer relationship. And, you know, that's what I try to provide to the kids I work with is, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, like your buddy, buddy friends, but it is a friendship and it's a relationship that they can, you know, they can reach out to me if they need something or need some advice or, you know, they're having a hard time and, and, you know, something with school and they can give me a call and just talk through it. And that's, you know, I think that's really what a, a coach should be to, especially a young kid is, you know, a mentor that they can look to for advice and, you know, help them grow as a person and an athlete. I, I didn't realize you, you were doing that as, as well, the mentoring side. And, and I'll, I'll say, you know, the coaches that made the biggest impact on me were the ones that left me wanting more time with them, left me wanting to spend yeah. more time learning from them and just talking with them about, about anything, life, yeah. the sport itself. So, so that's really interesting. How, how do yes. you ensure that you stay, I don't know, filled with wisdom and perspective and just being full so that you can kind of pour out into these, to these students and these, these athletes that you coach and mentor? I, you know, I think it just comes down to, you know, being me, um, you know, again, I think a lot of coaches try to be someone they're not. And, you know, I don't, I don't reach out and I don't do all this marketing for coaching. It's all word of mouth. And the, the kids that want to work with me, it's just, it becomes a good relationship. And that's the first thing I tell any, any kid or any parent who's interested in, in uh, coaching or training is that, you know, Hey, this may or may not be a good relationship. Let's take, you know, a month or two, see how it goes. And if it fits, like, Let's let's keep the ball rolling. But if not, like there's plenty of coaches out there and uh, each athlete needs a coach that's the proper fit for them. And it needs to be a, a great relationship where there is um, there's a, a, a we are we're working together towards a common goal. And then it just, you know, that way it just it always seems to fit and it falls into place, you know, how it's supposed to. So, so you've got this kind of balance between between running that, between doing, you know, being a Spartan athlete uh, working on your own personal connections and stuff, training yourself. What, what, I don't know, what does a typical day look like for you? Is there a typical day or like do you average it out somehow? Cause it sounds like I, I would love mix. to say I get, I get up at 4 30 AM. I eat my breakfast. I go for a run. I get on the computer. I do my computer work. I work with athletes. I do this and I go, you know, but no, it's fortunate enough to, you know, not have a a place of, I don't have to go into work. So, you know, my day varies all the time. Um, you know, sometimes I'm, uh, staying with my parents up in Vermont and I'm training the mountains and I'll get up at four to go on a, a big run, come back and eat some lunch and, you know, maybe I'll do a mountain bike in the afternoon. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm on a Cape, I'll, you know, get up, the wind will be really good and I'll go kite surfing in the morning and then come back. Maybe I'll do some work and, you know, and then maybe go for a run in the afternoon and, you know, there's there's always a, a training plan and something to focus on. But I think the most important is I do my best to to listen to my body and, and see how I'm feeling um, physically and and mentally, too. You know, do the things that are required, but do the things I also I want to do. You know, as long as I'm, I'm getting enough sleep, uh, I'm eating enough food and uh, I'm getting the proper training sessions in that I have on my schedule, you know, where those fit in and, a, in a, you know, a daily schedule. Um, maybe may switched up uh, from week to week, day to day. 
there's nothing nothing special <laughs> so so is that also true for your diet and intake it's just kind of like you know i eat when i'm hungry i drink when i'm thirsty and, and i stay pretty healthy yeah yeah i mean i've, I've done a lot of research i've, I've uh, you know i've tried to go and vegan i've done all these uh, you know tried the different diets and kind of pulled from here and there and you know, see what my, my body needs. But I mean, you know, anybody who's in any type of endurance sport, like your bodies just have cravings from time to time. Like, you know, when you need to eat more food, you know, when you need to drink water. And, you know, I try to put in, you know, the basis of, of, of good food, lots of vegetables and meat and uh, water and fruit. But, um, you know, I, I keep a, I guess a baseline of, of nutrition. And then after that, just make sure I eat enough. <laughs> So, man, you, you seem kind of type type B to me, you know what I mean? You got these type A folks, real real organized and analytical. They just pour into the, the efficiency of their day and schedule. And, man, I just, I can't get there, personally. <laughs> so, it is yeah. just, like, kind of flowing with the day. And I, yeah. I almost feel, like, a, a, out bad for it sometimes because I feel like I'm, you know, maybe I'm not utilizing this time better, but it's great to talk to someone else who's, who's being, yeah. you know, very impactful with that, with more of that mindset. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's always, you, you try to regimen and schedule and stay organized, but you can only do that so much because, you know, travel and life and family and, you know, you do as much as you can, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not like being sure where to, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I always go, always ties back to my childhood of just kind of living, you know, my brother and I say it like it, I don't know if this will come across the right way, but the way we grew up in Vermont was kind of lawless, like not in the sense mm. we're, we're breaking the law, but there was no, I mean, yeah, there was structure with sports and, you know, our parents were, were great at disciplining us, but, you know, we could do what we want basically all the time because you grow up in the woods. There's no restraints of, of space. There's no restraints of what you should or shouldn't do to, because there's a neighbor that, doesn't like you doing that in your backyard. You know, we just, we had the freedom to do what we wanted to. And I think that's what's kind of transitioned into, I guess, the way I approach life in general. Mm. Um, you know, it's just kind of take it day by day and, you know, ha have sights on something. I mean, you always have to have goals and some sort of structure, but, you know, in the process, just kind of, you know, figure it out as you go along. Hey, man, I love that. So, so, so tell us a little bit about, before we jump into uh, our rapid fire questions, it's like yeah. five or six questions at the end. Tell us a little bit about your uh, recent FKT you did, your fastest known time <laughs> of the Vermont 4000. Is that, is that, I mean, it seems like something you weren't able to do for a long time. Is that some sort of passion project oh. you've always wanted to do or, you know, what was that? Um, No, I won't lie to you. I only thought about it and found it, you know, maybe four months ago. <laughs> um. You know, I always wanted to do these big adventures and I just, you know, I wasn't capable of doing it. And, you know, with COVID, I had the time and um, the, if people aren't familiar, FKT stands for fastest known time. There's a website and there's there's all these these runs or routes um, and, and some some of them are super competitive, like the presidential traverse and some of them aren't. So, and it, you know, you try to stick to the ones that are super competitive or um, or are super aesthetic. Like this was the guy Peter Howe put up the Vermont 4000ers, the one that we went after. Um, he put up a really good time, but he was the only one to attempt it. So like the competition, uh, you know, hasn't been, you know, the FKT hasn't gone back and forth between people for years. 
Um, but it's a super aesthetic one. You're hitting the the five four thousand plus foot peaks in Vermont. You're riding your bike down uh, Route 100, which basically goes up the heart of Vermont. It's super scenic. Um, and I was like, you know what? This is this would be a good challenge to kind of push my limits and, and you know discover, uh, I guess, a, a new level of fitness. And I thought about doing it, and honestly, I don't think I would have gone through with it except I told my buddy Aaron Newell. I was like, hey, like I'm thinking of doing this. And he's like, hey man, like I've been thinking of doing that for years. He's from the Glens uh, Falls area in New York and uh, right near Vermont. And he's like, let's do it. I'm like, okay. And we put a date on the calendar. I'm like, I guess we're doing this. And uh, it got to that date and it happened to be like record high temperatures <laughs> of uh, like oh, mountain. Gosh. Yeah. And we're like, he's like two days before he's like, you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, screw it. Like, whatever. Like, it's not going to affect us that much. And it was spring. It was May 27th. How hot could it actually get in Vermont? Right, right. I don't care what they say on the weather. Force. Like, it's going to be fine. It ended up being like 93 degrees. I think Mount Mansfield had a record high that day in the middle of the day. Like 95 or 98. Degrees. Like, not spring record, like all-time high record. Um and that's what's like, we had a blast on the adventure, but the biggest hurdle was absolutely the heat. Um, the, the savior was there was still snow left on a lot of the tops of the mountains and we were just taking it. We had towels that would wrap it in, put on our neck underneath our hats. We'd shove it in our shorts, put it on our armpits. Um, because at like the midpoint at Sugarbush resort up at Mount Allen and Abe, that was kind of midday and we were, like looking back, you know, we were trying to stay super positive through it all, but um, we were definitely flirting the line of heat trope, the both, both of us. And I, the snow was the absolute godsend that saved us. <laughs> Dang, man, that is, I mean, kudos for going after it despite the, the crazy weather. Do you, do you foresee, you know, doing more of these in your future? Because it's such a different experience than a Spartan race. There's no obstacles. Yeah, so... Like, my, there's no man-made my, obstacles, let's put it that way. No, but uh, the, the these FKTs, they're, the routes are, are pretty um, pretty technical, and, you know, there's, you know, clear, lots of rocks, up in the Northeast, at least. You know, it's not just running. It's, yeah. They're a blast. And a couple weeks later, Aaron dragged me on an FKT that he got. Um, I didn't... Uh, I was slower than him on it, but he crushed it. It was uh, called the Great Range in the Adirondacks. And it hits the, there's an area called the Great Range up uh, out of the Keene Valley, I believe. And it's, uh, that's 23 miles and 10,000 feet of gain. Um, and uh, so that, yes, yeah, so and that is, that one's pretty epic. Uh, like you literally have to have, you know, like some basic rock climbing holes to get up some, <laughs> some of the mountains and you're going down and, it's it, you know it's the northeast so you're in tree line you know most of the time you know this isn't out in colorado where you're running on these ridge lines opened up just you know nice smooth trails like it is you get some points you got the pine trees coming in you got like 12 inches of path you're looking through your bomb downhill and all of a sudden there's a seven foot drop off like it just keeps you on your toes it's super lush um you know you're up high you're down low in the streams running through you know most of the trails in the northeast are um they they originally were like stream beds and that's how people cut up through you know the, the thick brush to get to the, the the summits of a mountain so you know sometimes you're literally running down stream beds through water and whatnot and you know it's it's not an obstacle course race but when obstacle course races when they originally started in 2012 13 14 they're more raw like this there weren't 
the open groomed trails made for the masses to go through. It was super tactical. It was super raw. It was, you know, I guess go back to just kind of like Wallace. You just went out there, the course designers did not care and they just made it brutal. And so these FKTs that were kind of picking out while we have no racing, those are, are what's, uh, what are, are very attractive to us. You know, just super tactical, super raw, and uh, things that are just going to challenge you in ways, you know, much more than just the endurance components. Mm. No, man, I, I foresee a, a rise in these for the, for the long haul. I think people are just going to do these FKTs out in the wilderness and realize, wow, I really like this. Maybe I should keep doing these too. And, and who knows, maybe it becomes more and more of a thing. It's already obviously decent size, but uh, it's a just totally different challenge than something that's organized, you know, in an event. But, uh, yeah, but well, congratulations again for getting out there. Yeah, you're not it, getting man. that terrain is rough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. It's not bad out in Colorado. It's just nice, gradual. <laughs> it's very, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's mountains beautiful. Are big, but it, it's, it's not that bad. Like mountain biking, even too. It's like the Northeast was some of the most <laughs> miserable terrain I've ever been on. Yeah. It's so it's, just choppy. You know, you know, and that's what you say, Mesa, like, like how miserable it is. And I think that's when you ask, like, how do I do these long things? You know, how did, how I've learned to push through this, like where I grew up and, you know, where we, where I train, it, it just kind of embodies that. Like that's every single day. It's, you can say miserable, but to a point when you get used to that, that's the norm. And mm. um, so when you're confronted with these hard things, you know, it's just, it ends up being the norm. And it's, you, you learn a passion to kind of enjoying that pain and suffering. Absolutely. That type two fun, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, let's move into rapid fire and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. This is like five or six questions. Uh, what is your, uh, what's your favorite high favorite success that you, you, you've had something that's most memorable to you? Oh, shoot. Um, favorite success. I have no idea. Um, I think getting to the point where I am in my life right now, um, you know, finding who I am and finding something I, I love to do and, you know, just enjoying life every day. Mm. That probably has to be the best. I mean, it, I mean, isn't that what this is all about? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what else can you get? Enjoy yeah, every man, day. I, I think so. And, you know, when you're in ball sports for so long, I think you're so, you get so wrapped up around, you know, here and now and just those individual compliments, compliments along the way and you kind of forget about the big picture. So being where I'm at now, I'm pretty stoked. Interesting. So this, this might also be interesting based on that. What, what are you most curious about right now outside of your career of coaching and in, in races? Um, yes, I think curiosity for me expands into, um, kind of pushing my limits with like adrenaline sports, you know, so I kite surf and, um, finding out the limits to what I can or can't do in that and how much adrenaline I can get pumping through my veins. Um, I think when I'm not thinking about coaching and I'm not thinking about training for um, these races, that's what preoccupies my mind is, you know, um, how far I can push myself in that. And that's kind of how I'm, I'm hardwired. Like my, my life is kind of revolved around trying to be the best at everything. And try and being the best for me is just kind of pushing my limit to like the absolute max. And uh, I think that curiosity is uh, really keeps me driven. And, you know, for me, with the kite surfing, it's just like anybody doesn't know about it. <laughs> You're, you got a harness around your waist with this big 10 meter kite 
um, up, you know, 25 meters up into the wind and harnessing mother nature is like, it's, it's a pretty ridiculous feeling. And to find out, you know, how much of that, like how, you, how well you can control mother nature and harness as much power from it is like, is, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> Oh man, exhilarating, humbling, I'm sure just, yeah, uh, yeah all, all of the above. That's, that's really cool. So what, what would you say your biggest goal that you haven't achieved yet? What is your biggest goal you haven't achieved? Um, well, I, I think for racing itself is um, to, to win a world championship. I think that's everybody's goal in the sport. And I'm, I'm finally to the point where you know, I'm healthy enough to put in uh, equivalent training to that of my competition. So, so I was super stoked about this year, and then now it got kind of interrupted. It's mm-hmm. like I'm in a holding pattern to find out like if I can do it or if I can't do it. Um, so I think that's my biggest goal at this point is to you know kind of pursue that and you know see see where it takes me along the way. Awesome. So, so what is a, a health tip that you practice every day? Something you something you try to do every day. Uh, recently it's like what I'm not the best at is just, you know, breathing and relaxing, just kind of let, letting things go. Um, Perfect. I breathe every day too. Yeah, man. It's like people, we forget like how important that process is. And, uh, and I think, you know, hopefully maybe through COVID everybody's maybe learned that a little bit more where, you know, there's so many things out of control at this point that, you know, there's no even reason to stress about it because that you know it's not really up to us at this point you know whether or not we have a job um you know whether or not we can go out and you know public or go to a restaurant like it's not our call at this point and just kind of have to enjoy the moment and, and relax and breathe and you know and just enjoy what we can good reminders man absolutely good reminders with all this so much out of our control yeah. But we can't control our breathing and ourselves. So to wrap this all up, uh, Ryan, w- what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Oh, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, just, you know, living a life that you really you love and something that you're passionate and have a lot of stoke about. And, you know, you're just you're not compromising anything. You know, every single day you're able to go out and, you know, do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, I think that's the that's the path to living without compromise. And it's, it's a really awesome way to live life. Yeah, man. That was like, that is the moment when I got into like, um, started um, drinking athletic brewing and stuff. I thought I was one in a million and like to find out over the next like two years that like, no, like there's a huge community, um, that is trying to live this lifestyle and, you know, drink these beers. Like that's, it was really cool to, to kind of go along with the process and, you know, become part of this community that is, uh, everybody's doing really cool things and, yeah. uh, have really cool approach to life. So it's been a blast. Ryan, thank you so much for, for joining us, for being part of the athletic brewing, uh, family, you know, we're, we're happy to have you. We love seeing your accomplishments and what you do. And so, yeah, thanks for being on without compromise. Thanks Mason. Appreciate it. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. 
And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.